Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Shakina. Good morning to your listeners. Oh, it didn't seem like a great day, but uh, let's start by taking a look at um, Bidvest and some restructuring happening there. Yeah, Sakina, you know, um, so essentially what's happening is that, uh, you know, obviously it's really volatile market conditions and we see that uh, Bidvest is a massive conglomerate, you know, so it remains an ongoing challenge to be able to present attractive earnings growth, um, you know, with a, with a business that has a concentration really to the South African economy. So we know that the diversified uh, set of invest, it's investment holding company with a diversified set of holdings across a number of sectors, um, you know, but by far the most attractive business within um, the, the, under the Bidvest umbrella and the one that contributes most significantly to profitability is the food services business. Now, uh, this is a business which derives, um, you know, the majority of its revenue from offshore with only 8% of its revenue derived inside South Africa's borders. And uh, we know it uh, contributes about, uh, to about half of Bidvest's overall profitability. Bidvest reported around 116 billion rand of profits um, you know, at their at, at, at the last uh, earnings update. And, uh, you know, the, the food services group contributed about half of that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really a business which has uh, managed to, uh, you know, which has given uh, Bidvest quite a big growth kicker and has, uh, you know, been a very supportive underpin for the stock during a difficult time for the South African economy. So we know that's uh, obviously businesses that are highly cyclical under the, the, the Bidvest umbrella, uh, you know, be it the car rentals, be it the, uh, the, the, the car dealerships, um, you know, those that have really battled during these difficult times. And uh, overall, the South African economic uh, economic outlook is not very supportive for the stock. So we see that uh, Bidvest, in fact, wants to unbundle this food services group. Now, this makes sense on some level and is a bit con- and doesn't make sense on other levels because uh, you know it's going to be difficult to see what's going to be an attractive underpin for earnings growth for Bidvest uh, for the. Food foreseeable future without the food services business, but in a way, um, you know, the, the, the management could be doing this as a way to unlock value for shareholders in terms of, uh, you know, spinning out the business, which is really attractive, um, you know, and we could see continued uh, support for this business, particularly given that it's such a rand hedge stock, and we all know to what extent the um, rand hedge industrial stocks have really run up, and uh, this is really one of those businesses with some sort of earning certainty, you know, they, offer, they operate with in the retail, uh, industrial, and uh, distribution food businesses, and they have a number of different operations across Australasia, Europe, the Middle East, um, and Africa. So they, they, they're quite widely spread uh, geographically, and uh, you know they, 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 they wouldn't trade on a demanding multiple on spinouts, you know, given uh, the kind of multiple that Bidvest is trading on. So it could be a strategy by management to uh, unlock value for shareholders, given the rand edge nature of this business and a strong contribution to profitability, but it's difficult to see um, how, what would be the attractive underpin for Bidvest earnings growth uh, once this randage portion of the business, which contributes about half of their profits, is actually spun out. We'll keep an eye on that. And uh, looking at what's happening in Europe, uh, in Europe and uh, with European equities, what's driving the route there, Nadir? 
Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Sakina, seven consecutive days of losses. Uh, you know, the overall uh, Europe stock 600 index is now at a two-year low. Um, you know, and uh, many analysts and strategists arguing that it's uh, presenting quite an interesting buying opportunity because uh, if we look at it on a forward-looking basis, you know, they're trading on a price-to-earnings multiple of 13 times on a forward-looking basis or just over 13 times on a forward-looking basis. Um, you know, relative to the rest of the developed markets, particularly the U.S. trading on north of 18 times forward earnings. But uh, be that as it may, there's been a lot of concern, particularly emanating out of the banking sector, given negative interest rates. You know, obviously, uh, that's, it, it, it's now a cost for banks to store money at the European Central Bank. And uh, the underlying economic conditions are still fairly sluggish with very, very low inflation. So the conditions to extend credits are not really that supportive, number one. And number two, um, you know, given increased regulation on banks, there's a lot of, uh, the, the, there's a big drive, uh, you know, to try and understand uh, banks' capital adequacy and, uh, you know, whether they, 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 uh, they uh, adequately uh, capitalize. And, uh, you know, this would mean that they'd have to keep increased amounts of cash, uh, you know, in reserve at the central bank. And given that they're earning a negative interest rate on that, that's weighing on sentiment towards the banks a little bit. And then obviously just the general uh, economic conditions with in the Eurozone and the battle to, for that economy's, uh, or for that region's economy rather, to really gain any sort of sustainable momentum. You know, we see some budding roots of economic growth, but uh, they're always being thwarted, you know, and it's, uh, it, it's really, the ECB is really finding it tough to create a platform for economic growth to really launch and, uh, you know, st start to gain some traction like it has in the, or like it has in the U.S., like one sort of easing did uh, within the U.S. So um, investors are concerned, particularly around uh, the, the financial stocks and the bank stocks, whether they have sufficient liquidity, uh, you know, to meet their debts. And uh, that's been a particular concern for one of the region's largest banks, uh, Deutsche Bank. And, you know, they've come out to the market to, uh, you know, reassure the markets and calm, the in calm investors that they do, in fact, have sufficient cash to uh, meet their debt obligations. But, uh, you know, this has, been a, this has been, you know, some negative sentiment which has built, been building up for some time. So, you know, the, the, the Eurozone economic picture is not helping, but uh, many analysts, including Goldman Sachs and uh, the likes of BNP Paribas, have, have moved to reassure markets that, uh, in fact, European banks do have sufficient uh, liquidity. And the bottom line is that there's just uh, some, some big volatility out there in global markets um, over the recent past. And uh, any sort of news that investors are latching onto, they, t they seem to be uh, really, reacting quite, uh, quite severely uh, to news coming out in the market, given the, the, the heightened risks on the back of uh, the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates and China's economic growth and global economic growth slowing. And uh, just uh, before I let you go there, Nadir, uh, Janet Yellen's testimony to Congress, that's happening today and tomorrow. Yeah, Sakina, I mean, it's obviously a big one because uh, now the Federal Reserve has found themselves in a bit of a bind. You know, we've, we've mentioned that uh, they've, uh, they've begun the interest rate increases starting in December with a 25 basis point interest rate increase. Uh, but, you know, the, the data coming out of the U.S. Uh, since that point hasn't been all that supportive, or it's been a mixed bag, rather. You know, we've seen economic growth coming in at under 1% for the fourth quarter. We saw jobs added for the month of January coming in, the top-line number below expectations. 
pensions, but uh, at 151,000, but unemployment dropping under 5%, and wage inflation now well above the inflation rates of the overall U.S. economy. You know, with uh, wages increasing by 2.6% year and year in January, and the average inflation rate well below 2%. Um, you know, which is what the Federal Reserve targets. So they're in this bit of a bind where there's all this global uh, volatility feeding into into financial markets and feeding into asset price performance and feeding into the strength of the dollar, except for recently where we've seen a bit of a pullback. But in general, the dollar has been very, very rampant. And, uh, you know, this continues to hurt U.S. manufacturers. This continues to hurt uh, U.S. corporates, which derive a large part of their revenues outside of the U.S. borders and continues to fuel financial market volatility. So, you know, at the first uh, FOMC meeting, Federal Open Market Committee meeting of the year, we saw them keep interest rates on hold given the uh, global volatility and unsupportive global macroeconomic backdrop. And those conditions continue despite the U.S. labor market improving and despite uh, initial budding signs of, uh, of wage inflation starting to gain some traction in the U.S. So the, federal, the reason I say the Federal Reserve is in a bind is because they're caught between this, uh, the data on the jobs numbers and inf- wage inflation is looking better, so that would be a sign to continue along the interest rate increasing path, but the global economy is really not playing ball, and uh, you know all these uh, positive numbers in the jobs market is not feeding through into economic growth in the U.S., so you know, it's a bit of a tough one as to where they go, and uh, you know, the, all statements made by the Federal Open Market Committee and all developed market central banks are watched uh, you know, very closely by emerging market investors because it's a big gauge of where risk sentiment is and whether we're going to see a risk on rally or whether we're going to see a surge for yield rally if they indicate interest rates are going to uh, go up more slowly than what they originally projected. And that really affects the emerging market flows, particularly into liquid emerging markets like South Africa.